Hook 'em up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, you had better well, get them up, get them going. It's Wednesday on Hook Em Up with Ian Rod B. Five hours, five days a week. Austin's only local morning sports conversation begins right now. We've got a lot to do. We're getting you up over the hump on this Wednesday, the 20th of September. Looking forward to a tremendous Saturday of college football, weekend of college football, week three of the NFL as well. We'll get to the very latest Major League Baseball, about 11 days to go. In the regular season, and the AL West race is as tight as it's been. As uh, who wants this division? I don't know. Everyone's scuffling through the month of September in Major League Baseball's American League West. We'll dive in there as well. A lot to do. It's going to be a fun five hours. We appreciate you being there. Ever you're finding us, maybe it's on 1019 on the FM dial. It could be AM 1260. And of course, digitally, we've got you covered on the Horn app. Just download that to your smartphone. Touch of a button. You're listening to our show each and every day and all the shows here on the Horn. Also at uh, hornfm.com. The Twitch channel is there. You can watch our show or listen. And of course on YouTube. We've got the YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. We appreciate your numbers growing tremendously there as well at the Horn Austin on YouTube. Appreciate you finding us to start this Wednesday morning. Look who it is across the desk. As always, he's already wiped down and sanitized his station. It is part of the desk this morning. He is our shutdown corner holding down his side of the field. His side of the show. Five hours a day, five days a week here on Hook Em Up from DB High down in the 713. And of course DBU here in the 512, stops in four different NFL zip codes. He is the football theorist, Blackster Dramas himself, wore 21 in your program, number one in your heart, our man Rod Babers. Rod B., you ready for a Wednesday? I'm ready for hump day, and yes, I should have an NIL deal with uh, with, with some uh, Clor- Clorox wipes, something like Sanitizing that. Sanitizing wipes. <laughs> Whatever it may be, no doubt about that. Uh, but I appreciate the intro as we'll always. Get you, we'll get you that deal done. We'll get that deal done. we got to get that deal done. At this point, I, uh, it's obviously that uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a proponent, I'm an advocate, <laughs> all right, of the wipes. Uh, but no doubt, I appreciate the intro as always. And always makes uh, it smell good in here to start the show. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's you know, I like. I like to get things a little clean. I get, you know, I get I get close to this microphone. I get all up in it. You get intimate with this microphone. I'm getting intimate with something. I want it to be clean first. All right. That was part of the foreplay, honestly, back in the day for me too. Let's get clean. And then let's get dirty. All right, but anyway, that's too much information. Uh, but shout-out to my man E. Ogan for the intro. But also, uh, shout-out to those who serve. We appreciate those who are up early with us uh, because uh, there are a lot of those who are out there uh, choosing to serve. And it is a burden but also an honor. So we appreciate that our society built on the selflessness of service. So for all those who serve in any capacity, whether it be God, country, or community, we salute you. Teachers, nurses, uh, the uh, first responders out there, the soldiers, officers of the law. There are so many I can not name all of them waste management uh, you know who you are so we appreciate all of you in all of your uh, many forms no question about that uh, those who serve on this wednesday up and out and getting after it and a uh, lot to do so we have busy wednesday and uh, you're looking forward man what a great football weekend we have on tap that will start tomorrow night oh, with yeah. week three in the nfl 49ers we got our first chance in prime time to see the niners hosting the New York Giants in a what should be a decent game. We'll see, but uh, looking forward to that and then into the weekend. Uh, six ranked matchups and, gosh, probably six more that are really compelling, maybe not of, of ranked teams, but uh, big conference rivalries or games like Florida mm-hmm. State-Clemson should be a great game on a Saturday. So we'll start to preview those, drill down on the big matchups. And obviously the Longhorns getting ready to head up I-35 to Waco for the yes, final time for a while. With that in mind, let's get you caught up on the news of your Wednesday morning. 
Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring it to you. Start with uh, the Longhorns College Football. T-minus three days now to the Longhorns Big 12 Conference opener at Baylor Saturday night. As we've told you, it'll be the Longhorns' first ever night game at McLean Stadium. The previous four since that building's been open were day games. Texas has won 80 of the previous 112 meetings between the two schools, the I-35 rivals. They haven't won in Waco, though, since 2017. Bears are playing their fourth straight home game Saturday. They've dropped two of the first three. Their starting quarterback, Blake Shapin, still out with a knee injury. Sawyer Robertson will make his second career start for the Bears. The Mississippi State transfer through for 113 yards in his first collegiate start this past, and his first collegiate touchdown this past Saturday to lead the Bears to a 30-7 win over Long Island. The third-ranked Longhorns favored by more than two touchdowns. But head coach Steve Sarkeesian aware of the challenge they face. We're going to go into... Baylor here Saturday night on the road. It's been well documented that as of right now, the last time we're, we're, we're going to play Baylor, last time we're going to go there. And so we understand the environment we're walking into, and, and we can't be fearful of that. You know, we, we have to embrace it. we gotta, we got to walk in there and, and be ourselves and play our brand of football. Elsewhere in college football, suspended Michigan State football coach Mel Tucker responded yesterday to the school's notice that they intends to fire him for cause because of an allegation of sexual harassment in a written statement. Tucker claims that other motives are at play and there has been a bias against him throughout the process. By firing him for cause, Michigan State will avoid paying the 51-year-old nearly $80 million remaining on his contract. Major League Baseball, despite their recent struggles, Texas Rangers have moved within a half game of the first-place Astros in the AL West. Josh Young hit a tie-breaking two-run single in the seventh last night in Arlington to push Texas past Boston 6-4. Meanwhile, in Houston, the slumping Astros lost to Baltimore again 9-5. Orioles left fielder Austin Hayes hit two homers, had four RBI for the AL East leaders. Seattle, meanwhile, topped Oakland 7-2. So with 11 days to go in the regular season, Houston leads the Rangers and Mariners by just a half game in that division. Also from baseball, LA Angels all-star Shohei Otani underwent surgery on his right throwing elbow yesterday out in Los Angeles. It's a little less than a month after being diagnosed with a torn ligament in that arm. The two-way superstar expected to be healthy enough to hit and be in the lineup to start the 2024 season. He says he plans to return to pitching in 2025. The 29-year-old is only a few weeks away from being one of the most coveted free agents in baseball history. Corn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. The heat's made us crazy. Get up to $100 off select steel backpack blowers and employee pricing on all zero-turn mowers in stock this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. What if I told you that um, C.J. Stroud was fourth in passing yards in the NFL? That surprise you? Yes. He is. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? That is crazy. And the Astros, the fourth and you, most passing yards in the NFL. Texans 0-2. <laughs> and they've been in come from behind mode in both games. So, uh, that, yeah, that, that, that's kind of why it does make sense. But it, it, considering all the injuries on the O-line, and he's been hit a ton. Um, I believe the Texans are one of the leaders in, in, in hits allowed, the quarterback hits allowed. Uh, so I thought he's done pretty well. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. Well, I, I think, that uh, you know, as a Texans fan, you and I are kind of downtrodden at this point and have been for a bit. Uh, but there is optimism because he looks like a, like a pretty good player. And that's what, uh, you know, we saw Bryce Young on Monday night, right, the first pick in the draft playing for Carolina. And you could argue he has more around him right now than C.J. Stroud and no not playing as well. Made. Uh, as we've said, the, the Texans have been handcuffed by injuries on their offensive line. Uh, as a D'Amico Ryans couldn't have, couldn't have drawn up a worse way to start his career as head coach in Houston uh, by losing four starting offensive bad, linemen. Yeah, he just had some bad luck. That's bad luck. That's yeah. bad luck. And I mean, uh, 
You know, it's the worst place to have injuries for a young quarterback. Oh, yeah. too. You're trying to break in a young quarterback, and yeah, you put three starting offensive linemen. Four. Well, Laramie Tunsil didn't play on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. So you got both tackles out. You've got your center. You're down to your third center, and your right guard, your left guard's hurt, Kenyon Green. So you're you're just patchworking, to say the least, that offensive line, which offensive yeah. line play in the NFL is, I think, diminished. It has all across with, with all, all the across new... the league because of the new CBA rules about uh, practice and how much contact yeah. you can have. And then there's nobody playing in the preseason either. No, exactly. I mean, nobody's really playing in the preseason. You combine those two, and then you got four backups. I mean, how many how many offensive linemen do you even carry? I mean, you're carrying four. You know, these, these are these are taxi squad players essentially that are playing offensive line for you uh, until you get everybody back. So, and for that, for him to be, you know. Playing that well yet, and the fact that he's fourth in passing yards, and he still hasn't thrown an interception yet, he hasn't thrown a pick, which uh, is is optim- optimistic for. I agree. Uh, reason for optimism for Houston, even though they're zero two. Obviously, Cowboys have a lot of reason to be optimistic because they're two and zero. Cowboys on another level and right now. They're cranking it up to go out Lead- to Arizona and crush the Cardinals. Leading the NFL in turnover differential uh, at plus seven. The Bucks they- Bucks are next at plus five actually. Bucks and the Eagles are third at plus four. So they're. The Cowboys defense and the Cowboys offense, you got to give them the credit. We're not talking enough about the offense. I'm actually working on a little breakdown, so we'll get into that new Tex Coast offense and actually, you know, what it what what entails and, and obviously the new dynamic of it. But they don't turn the football over, and that's that's the biggest issue, or at least that was the biggest issue last year. That's the one thing everybody's watching. Are they taking care of the football? Is Dak taking care of the football? Yeah. Uh, he almost threw a pick six, though. We'll say that. Almost, almost. Sauce dropped it. But at the same time, the seven turnovers forced and zero committed through two games. It's hard to find a stat that, um, you know, isn't good for the Cowboys right now. I mean, through two games with the New York teams, uh, New York City teams, the Jets and Giants, they've just overwhelmed both of those teams. And I know know, the Jets are without Aaron Rodgers and the Giants uh, are the Giants. But at the same time, those are two NFL teams, and it's been like the, the varsity playing the JV yeah. in those two games. Can't and watch the 49ers versus the Giants. Not that you can do that in the NFL because it's not apples to apples, but I want to see the, that defense is a dominant defense too. Yeah, so that's uh, the first game of the week, right, with the Giants out in San Francisco. Uh, Giants have tough started with a tough schedule, right, to start with the Cowboys and, and 49ers in the first three weeks. Uh, they're going to see two of the best. Uh, in, the, in their conference and in this league. And, of course, they had Arizona sandwiched in there, which they were able to rally to beat on uh, Sunday. And then, but the Cowboys will now go to Arizona to see those Cardinals, and Cowboys should be 3-0, and uh, headed into a weekend. Uh, two weeks from now, showdown with the New England Patriots up in Arlington. Yeah. Uh, no, I, the, the Cowboys schedule right now, uh, it looks like they're going to dominate some teams. until Not dominate, but that defense is going to be a dominant defense until they match up with the 49ers. And then that's the test. That's the to test. To see if that defense is truly the best defense in the league. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later on. But I, I thought that C.J. Stroud, I, I saw those stats, and I was like, man, C.J. Stroud, he's playing really well. We just we don't talk about it enough. So I wanted to give a shout-out to the Texans randomly. We don't talk a lot of Texans. Yeah, I think they'll win some games this year, right? I mean, I think. Well, just because he's playing way better than everybody. Thought. And Will Anderson is too, by the way. Yeah, yeah th- those two guys look like like foundational players, yeah. which you good you got to have something to build around if you're a struggling franchise like the Texans have been. Well, you gave up a lot. You did. You, for, well, for, that, for those foundational. For, well, for the Will Anderson foundational piece. Well, listen, we don't uh, – you don't root for injuries, but if you're a Houston fan, the Nick Chubb injury on Monday night, which was devastating to the Browns, the poor play of Deshaun Watson. Houston fans, Texans fans are rooting for the Browns to not be very good this year because <laughs> that, that's their draft pick come in the first round next year because they gave up their own uh, to acquire Will Anderson. Uh, in that, and that's, you know, Cowboys are, are thinking Super Bowl or bust. Texans are thinking 
when can we draft again to bring in some more players? <laughs> uh, well, oh, the other thing is, when, when can Different we get our mindset. offensive line healthy? Yeah, uh, for sure. This says, start breaking out your walking shoes, E. That's from Nick and San Angelo on our hey, text line. Well, it's, they're, it, listen, it, they're that defense, it is a different level defense. I mean, Cowboys fans are actually saying this may be the best defense since their dynastic run in the 90s. And there are some, I mean, you, you said you think it's better. Well, I just think they, they've just, they're, they're, they're fast. Because those teams were built on the offense for me. I, I know the defense was good. You don't win Super Bowls without both sides of the ball. There's no question about that. Certainly three and four years. Uh, but those those that was built around that offensive line, Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, you know the triplets, and then the defense was good. Um, and especially when they added Charles Haley and Deion Sanders <laughs> late in the run, yeah, it complemented the offense. Though this group, and that's why you know I don't want to fast forward to Week Five, but I think they're going to smash the Cardinals. I don't think the Cardinals game is going to be much closer than these two New York no, matchups have been. Stat, they'll stat pad, <laughs> and then they'll come home to play the offensively challenged New England Patriots with Bill Belichick. And that, you know, the brands are big, right? Those are probably the two of the five biggest brands in all of pro football, yeah. uh, Cowboys and Patriots. But the Patriots aren't that good. They're 0-2, and they lost two home games mm-hmm. to start the year, right? They got yeah. beat at home by Miami last Sunday night. Uh, they they opened with a loss uh, to – who beat them week one? New England. To the Patriots? Pa- Eagles. Uh, the Eagles. Yes. Oh, yeah, the Eagles exactly. went in there and beat them, on, beat them in week one. And so they're 0 2, and they're, they'll be coming to Dallas. Uh, so the Cowboys are going to be 4 0. Cowboys are, and by the way, Mac Jones, their quarterback. Who? Mac Jones. Who? Quarterback in New England. He has not completed a, he has not completed a <laughs> pass. He has not completed a pass 20 yards down the field through two games. Like he did. Yeah, neither has it's, Joe Burrow. He's like 0 for 10. <laughs> he's 0 for 10. And any pass that's traveled more than 20 yards down the field, uh, it, all incomplete. Everything's underneath. The Cowboys will swallow that up, and uh, they're, 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 that's where the Cowboys are right now. They're 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 they they've separated from the rest of the NFC, and some would argue even the NFL. Um, so they're gonna they're gonna crush teams like the Cardinals and the Giants and the Jets, which is you know reason for for great optimism. But the you know the barometer and the question becomes. Where do you match up with the Eagles, and where do you match up with the 49ers? Yeah. And week five, they'll play the 49ers. They'll have two games this year with the Eagles. and That's how we know. And then you got that Buffalo game, you know, and that Miami game yeah. later on the season. Really, those are the big tests. I'm with you because how dominant the defense looks. I'm not saying they're going to make everybody look silly because uh, it's the NFL. But if your, if your quarterback is not up to a certain caliber, the Cowboys are going to make that team look silly. So any quarterback that's not considered of the upper echelon of the quarterbacks in the NFL, they'll make that look silly. Yeah. And I'm just saying, now Brock Purdy, you're like, oh, Brock Purdy's not an elite quarterback, but he plays like one right now. He's on that kind of streak. He is. He's we never had, lost a start. Yeah, like, so you had nobody actually has exposed him yet because it's the NFL. He will be exposed at one point. And Jalen Hurts is playing. Did you hear uh, this sidebar that Jalen Hurts, Donovan McNabb said he, had, he still has a shoulder injury? Did you hear Donovan McNabb say that? He, Donovan McNabb recently said that he still has – He's not even 100%. He's like 70, 80, 80% with oh. a shoulder injury. I thought that was weird. I was like, really? Well, I said Brock Purdy's never lost a start. He's never lost a game he started and finished in his NFL yes. career. And boy, just look at his stats didn't. and his passer rating. Like, he's playing like in one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Well, I'm not he saying is. that he is. He's a winner. And yeah. that's why that week five matchup, by the way, that's the Sunday after the Longhorns play Oklahoma in Dallas. What a yeah. weekend that stands up to be in a few weeks. Uh, Texas OU at the Cotton Bowl, and then the Cowboys in San Francisco. Uh, but the the chess match and the matchup there is 
all that weaponry for Kyle Shanahan, your buddy, right? You know, mm-hmm. One of your, your college yeah. teammates and great friend. Yeah, and by the way, all that's that... why we talk a lot of 49ers. We're like, why are you talking 49ers? He is the only head coach in the NFL that's a lifetime Longhorn. So <laughs> yes. they'll be like, why are you talking 49ers? Well, he's a lifetime Longhorn. What do you mean? We talk about Bijan. and talk about all the guys who yeah. play in the NFL that are lifetime Well, Longhorn. and they're the Cowboys. <laughs> Wrote, they're, they're the kryptonite for the Cowboys yes, right now come, is, come exactly. January. That is, yeah. uh, so you're trying to – and that matchup will be – you know it's a regular season game. It won't matter again until January if they meet again. But to see the, the chess match between Shano mm-hmm. and his weaponry and Christian McCaffrey and Debo and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and Purdy versus the defensive weaponry of Dan Quinn and the Cowboys mm-hmm. – um, oh, and, and, be fun. Oh man, uh, those it's, are the kind of games you uh, yeah. you make appointments for and you get after. I'll say one other note on the NFL rod as we start our uh, our Wednesday conversation. Yes, sir. To the New England game, the Cowboys play in two weeks. Mm-hmm. You know the NFL is big on protecting the shield and protecting the brand. Yep, they're gonna have to figure this out because you know one of the things that we that is very all too common now are these NFL game stand stadium brawls, these fights in the stands. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Like they I've go viral, these. and we see yeah. people punching each other and climbing on. Yeah, well, it's ugly. We, well, for the NFL, I, I predict this is about to become a problem. They just they they just had their first casualty. They've had a death at an NFL game because of a wow. fan brawl. Oh man! Uh, a 53 year old man from New Hampshire, uh, Joey Kilmartin, uh, and Dale Mooney got into a fight uh, on, on Sunday's game. Um, in according to the Boston Globe. A uh, person attending Sunday night's Miami Dolphins-New England Patriots game at Gillette Stadium died after mm. officials uh, say that there was an incident in which he was punched in the head two times and uh, an autopsy will be performed. This is this is not I – mean, wow. at some point, I don't know what the NFL does about this or stadium officials in the NFL. Uh, and, yes, there's 70,000, 80,000 people in these stands, and it's hard to monitor them all. What do you – I mean, I, I mean, you can't have people dying at your football games, no, right? you can't have it be a dangerous place. To take your family, yeah. you can't have that. No, no. you got to do something about and it. And of course, inevitably, it's, it's adults it. wearing jerseys, drinking too much, yeah, and deciding to start slugging each other. And now you've got a 53 year old guy who's lost his life at a football game. Yeah, so you basically have to make the punishment and the consequences harsh enough. I mean, that guy that punched him is definitely going to go to jail. Well, yeah, yeah. Obviously, that would be legal Prison. consequences, that kind of stuff, too. But, yeah, you gotta, it's got to be something. Yeah, I don't know. That's I, I'm a, not saying this is the NFL's fault. I'm just saying the NFL no. protects the brand. Hey, it's, it, it may not be your fault, but it is your problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. It ain't your fault, but it's your problem. So, I'm with you. you they got to figure out something. I didn't, I, I didn't see that story. That's sad, man. But, yeah. you, but I have seen every, every season, I see those fights all the time, different fan bases it's all like over the week country. Like every we come in on a Monday and there's yeah. viral videos. Oh. And, it, and it ain't just one fan base. Maybe some fan bases do it more than others. Philly. But Philly. Honestly, the, the 49ers and the uh, the West Coast teams, I see them Raiders. doing it a lot. Yeah, they they get into it a lot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they got to do something about that. I didn't realize it had gotten to um, escalated uh, to that extent. Well, look, I mean, it takes well, one punch and a, guy, and, and a guy who's intoxicated falls, hits his head, and oh, that's typically it. how that's going to happen. It's not yeah. typically from the punch. It's typically from the fall, and you hit the hit the yeah, stay, hit the chair. Or you tipsy hit the, anyway. Hit the concrete. and drunk. Yeah. Well, because well, they start tailgating in the parking lot. We understand that, and that's how these things go down. But, um, you know, the NFL is going to have to – because it's almost become, a, a you know, a popular sport to watch the, the stadium brawls that go on. Um, but you know that's that's now become a tragic situation with that guy, and uh, I'm not sure. And I imagine the NFL will just send out probably a memo to the teams and just make it kind of a teams issue. Like, hey man, I don't know how y'all want to handle it. 
but it needs yeah, it, needs individually we need to deter and I think this type of it. behavior. Yeah, well, and you know, maybe get authorities involved or more security at the stadiums. You can, or they can afford private security at the stadium. Sure. They really can. I mean, they they have that much money. They're bringing. You talking about fifteen billion, whatever the NFL makes annually. They can they can afford to bring in you know security, like and, and I'm talking about you know kind of plain clothes security. So that people won't know who it is, and they can kind of see things happening, anticipate. Oh man, it's a rowdy bunch over here. Stuff going well, on. And I think the you know, and then ask people to report. Right, you see something, say something. Got to have one of those kind of well, it lines that you can report people. They already have that. No. Do they really? Yeah. I mean, I'm just have, you got to encourage it. You have to encourage it, though. People don't. Well, that's what, what I mean? I'm wondering. You got to say, hey, man, you do it. You got to say something about that so that we can deter this behavior. If it's close to you, hit us up. Well, and that's you know, according to the, to the uh, Gillette Stadium officials there in New England. Um, the 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 guy who was killed was a lifelong Patriots fan and a thirty year season ticket holder uh, who was killed in this. And again, it's just, it's a tragedy, but at the same time, you, you can't just point fingers and blame people. But I do think that these viral videos that go out and almost incites it, right? You know, guys, you know, drunk guys go to the game almost looking to fight. Likes you know to fight, I mean? guy. Yeah, likes to fight. Likes to fight, and guy. It, you know, mm-hmm. it, it almost want it to go viral. People want things to become a big deal. And uh, I think the NFL needs to be a bit clamped down as much as they can. Uh, this says, well, guys, that's why I won't go to NFL games. Too many dumb drunks. This one there is a text already. It says, I'll never take my 10-year-old or 13-year-old to an NFL game. Too many likes to fight guys that spent their whole month's paycheck on tickets. They're pissed off and they're drunk. Well, that's a great and, point. And, yeah. And, uh, yes, that's and I a, don't think that, even though that's kind of going on, it's not the image the NFL wants no. for their fans, right? Agreed. Uh, you want to be family friendly as you can. I would not feel safe going to an Eagles game with a Cowboys jersey on. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, no. we saw this in baseball about out in Los Angeles. The you know the Dodgers and Giants have a bitter rivalry, and there was a uh, a fan killed in the in the parking lot, like in a, you know leaving the stadium. We've seen that a couple of times out there in Los Angeles. Uh, this has now hit the NFL, and. Uh, we'll see what they do. That's a, that's a terrible story. That's a horrible story. Happened Sunday night, New England and Miami. And, and, of course, the guy who punched him was wearing a Dolphins jersey, and the guy that's dead is wearing a New England jersey. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, we I, I, I have family. My, my wife, her, 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 her entire family of 49ers fans, and they, you know, they live in Idaho. Sometimes they go to the Seahawks games to go see the 49ers or something, and they will not wear anything 49er. And they, see, they, that's they, wrong. But they, well, they, they, they know they can't. Right like they 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 done it before, and it was like, no, nah, it's not worth it. It's just not not worth it at all. You go and you kind of wear neutral colors, yeah. or you wear you know what I mean you wear something close to their color. You say it's not worth. it. you will have people and you're like, oh, they're not gonna pick on a you know sixty something year old lady. Uh, you'd be surprised. You'd yeah. be surprised at things people would say and do and throw at somebody just because they got a different color jersey on. It's like that's are you serious? Yeah. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what uh, the stadiums do with the league, and it's up to each individual team. But again, we know the NFL is, you know, big on PR and the brand and the shield, and you certainly don't want people dying at your games. No, uh, at the hands of another uh, fan. I mean, this is uh, the worst case scenario for the for the NFL and for the New England Patriots and uh, and for the for the league. Uh, this is they need panic buttons throughout the stadium. I, I think they do have a text that you can send. But you know, a lot of times these things come spur of the moment. And, they do. They happen but this, fast. But, but this 
story, according to the Boston Globe, says the two were engaged in a, kind of an altercation the whole game. I know what I'm I think you can sometimes that that stuff is. But if you're you're by some people, you can already see like, oh man, they this don't like brewing. each other. This it's is brewing. simmering, and that's when you're like, yeah, it needs to be encouraged. Like Ty said, they probably already got it. But then, hey man, send it send a text so we can come in and we can squash it, move these people around to different areas, whatever we got to do to deter that type of behavior. Yeah, because you're stuck with those people that are around you for three hours at a football yes. game, and it helps when they're cool, but sometimes they're not. Correct. <laughs> well, and here's and then, and of course, unfortunately, there's video of it, like because somebody got out their phone and, and took instead a of video. texting, instead of texting for help, they like let me get this on right. video. So, actually. so and, and our man, of course, at at six twenty four our time and four twenty four his time out in the Great Northwest. Chris Bennett on Twitter has already sent us the video. Uh, and it's horrible. I'm assuming there'll be lawsuits. Um, family will sue Gillette Stadium, the Patriots, and the NFL. And it's just a very, very unfortunate situation. And the NFL is going to have to do something about it. All right, we'll come back. We'll pick up the NFL talk. Also, college football. Longhorns headed to Waco for the final time. You're at Steve Sarkeesian on our headlines. Longhorns' first ever night game in Waco. They're two touchdown favorites or more right now over the struggling Baylor Bears. We'll get details. Rod will take us behind the burnt orange curtain. Also, before the end of our first hour of five, we will get some what the facts, the facts you need to know as you're up and out on a Wednesday morning, 20th September, or come right back here on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. Austin, Texas Sports, The Horn. Appreciate everybody weighing in on the Specs text line this uh Tragic death at a New England Patriots game Sunday night at the hands of a Dolphins fan in a um, in-stands brawl. There's uh, lit a fuse with folks. This says anyone that gets in a fight, ban them for life. I don't have any problem with that. This says, uh, I think there's a social media component along with the generational component to the NFL fights. I'm in my mid-40s. Work with a guy in his mid-20s. If he loses his bets, he'll trash pro players on social media to the point that he's been blocked by players. You take that attitude to the stadium, bad things will happen, especially when alcohol is involved. I'm not saying it's uh, our generation is perfect. Probably people my age do the same thing, but you don't uh, get get generation does more. Charlie Strong was right. The downfall of society is social media. Social media. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean that. I mean, there is the because I I don't doubt for a second that some of these viral fights are were intentional to go viral, right? I mean, you you, That's, you, you yeah. tell your buddy, hey, put this on record. I'm going to go slug this dude or whatever. Uh, we Some sig demented stuff. For now. sure. Well, and there's also, yeah, the alcohol is a part of it. Um, you know, too much testosterone and too much alcohol. And then, yeah, you, your team's not playing well or your team's playing good. Like, you know, I don't even know what the situation was, but the Dolphins were beating the Patriots and you had a Dolphins and a Patriots fan fighting. You just said your family in Idaho, your wife's family won't go to a 49ers game or a Seahawks game in 49ers gear. No. That's that's why I'm saying that's how no. that conversation started, from my opinion, the NFL has to come up with a PR campaign of some kind, and I mean it's got to be more than PR. But at the same yeah. time, no, it's that's part of it though. Yeah, you got to push yeah. for these are not the type of people we want at our games. Period. We want people at our games, but we can't we can't be seen as mm-hmm. you know we're all a bunch of likes to fight guys, uh, and you can't bring as, as we already had like four people text and say, Rod, I wouldn't take my kids to a game. Which is it lets you know it's not a family friendly environment. That's right. It's like now I'm not taking right. my kids to Well, that's right. And Ty's, it's, you know, there's some people it's like I don't go. Period. And, you know and I'm mean? just thinking, you know, I've been to a million sporting so, events. I go to live music shows yeah. all the time. I don't fear from getting in a fight at any of these venues. There, are, we, we all go to places where there's going to be a lot of people, um, and there's going to be crowds and gatherings. But you don't. Mm-hmm. Do you ever just fear that you're going to get in a fight? 
But yeah, we have people texting us saying I wouldn't go to an NFL game. You just said your 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 wife's family won't go to a no. to a Seahawks game. That's wrong. I mean, that needs to change if yeah. you're the NFL. It's the biggest, most popular sport, and they need to get the players in on it. Yeah, they need to get the players in on the players are influ- influential. They need to get the players in on the messaging. You know, what I mean, for the like you said, the PR campaign, whatever it is, they got, they need to get get that done. I agree. It's it's it. I, I didn't think it would be you know a, a big issue, but I will admit now that you bring it up, I see those fights all, all on my timeline every NFL season, and, and, and it's and, all and, different fan right, bases too. Right, it kind of just it kind of just yeah. blends into the world, it does. and it then is, all of a sudden, yeah. somebody's like a fifty three year old, yeah. thirty year season ticket holder is dead, and you're like, oh wow. That's kind of a problem, and it seems like that was, was like that could have been avoidable. It seems like there there were signs that, that led up to this tragedy. Yeah, we probably should have seen this coming. We, yeah, yeah. It's like how, how actually yeah, it's probably I mean, bad. I don't, I don't see how you can really stop it though. Like getting the players behind something like that is hard when the players are also fighting on the field pretty frequently as well. Yeah, but it's dis, it's disallowed on the field. Like they break it up. Like it is not something that is encouraged it at all. But I I just think on the field it is a, a sport. Right, that sometimes those things boil over. So I agree with you on that. But the players also will admit that they're not supposed to be doing that on the field. That that's something that is unprofessional. Yeah, yeah. I, it's just it's something I, I don't it, think no, it it's, it's, it's hard to. It's not going to well, be easy. Right. Well, it's not going to be easy unless you stop selling alcohol and hire triple the amount of security. Well, I, I do. It's think not going to be easy. There needs to be an awareness campaign. The NFL needs to get on top of it. I believe, and, and it's almost like it's, I don't want to say they glorify it. They just, just they need to. Make sure it's being stated that uh, this is not the type of environment we want to want to cultivate yeah. for our game, and it seems like it has become. Here it says, "If I'm bringing my kids to a pro game, I'm saving up as much as I can. I try to find seats at some club level, and not in the stands. Stands are dangerous at times. Way too much consumption of alcohol. I've left Cowboys and or Texans games at halftime because fans are out of hand. See, that's I mean, Rod, it's it's yeah. We're 30 minutes into the show, and we've gotten probably 20 texts that say the same thing. And, that's and, that's a problem. And, E, your point is that I don't think we've heard anything from the NFL, their stance about it at all. Right. Like they, you know what I mean? We're like, different, like, oh, uh, yeah, they, like, like Ty said, like, oh, well, if the NFL's already dressed and nobody cares, I don't think I've heard the NFL ever talk about it. Like yeah. nobody from the NFL even really bring, even, even talks, they, they almost act like it doesn't exist. Like, nah, that's not, that's not our problem. Yeah. So I, I think that may be at least the start is that the NFL should address it. Yeah, That is something concerning. Well, because this is the first, but it won't be the last. No. And that's, no that's the, the concern. And, yes, I'm not saying that fights don't happen at ACL Fest and concerts, too. It's just it's almost become trendy uh, to get in a, bar, in a fight in the stands at an NFL game with your jersey with on. Yeah. Hey, let's dive into uh, or get behind that burn orange curtain. Texas goes to Waco on Saturday for the 113th time. Rod's getting you ready for it. And they were all asking themselves the same questions. What is behind that curtain? All right, let's get to uh, some Texas-Baylor discussion. I think the biggest, um, at least my top, at least my top issue, the one thing I'm looking for uh, in this game versus Baylor, and I think Texas um, right now, two touchdown. A tie probably knows. Is it more than a two touchdown favorite? I honestly don't know yet. Okay. It is. It's 14 it's, and a half. It was, yeah, I see. It Ooh. was like and 13 and a half, and I think it's growing. It's before you, you give your. No, go ahead. For, 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 doesn't it feel like it should be? If you just look at the numbers of these teams, it should be more. Yeah, but I think they're expecting Baylor to pull up a hell of a fight. I and, know. And Texas. I'm just saying, if you see yes. that number, you're like, wait a second. Versus the number three team in the country? With a backup quarterback who gets <laughs> yeah. Long Island through for 113 yards. He's thrown for one touchdown and three picks this year. I don't disagree He was that. dreadful against Utah. Yeah. But uh, uh, well, you will admit, Wyoming had a backup quarterback in there, too, and played with Texas for three quarters. 
That's that's very true. Hundred percent true. And I think that's what makes it like, yeah, Texas is. They one of those teams like it's really tough to predict Texas because they haven't necessarily been like a four quarter dominant team. Um, they have these. You talk about they have these these spurts where they can put a team away because they they kind of just catch fire, explosive, right? They get, <laughs> they talk, and that's they, what Baylor is not. Category five explosivity. Baylor right? Baylor is completely not explosive, <laughs> right? They're they're, they're Gosh, they ran the ball 50 times last week against Long Island. And well, that's to hide Sawyer Robertson. <laughs> yes, right? to hide, you got, you're trying yeah, to hide you got, your quarterback. you got to hide that guy a little bit. Uh, but uh, and since we're talking about Sawyer Robertson, we can start there. I just think if Texas is able to get him in third and long, that's how – was it Svoboda? Svoboda. Uh, Svoboda. Svoboda, yeah. Uh, I, I can't say his name correctly, I apologize. Svoboda. Yeah, Svoboda. There you go. Um, he, he actually stayed out of third and long. For Wyoming, and that was the key. He was only in third and long. I they think they managed four, that game very well. Yes, Wyoming did four times that I counted. And third and long is third and seven plus. Um, I counted third and long four times total. That's manageable, like you said, manage the game for for even a an average to below average quarterback. That's manageable because the throws that you're going to have to make to convert aren't the the di- the degree of difficulty right in very high. Right, you're talking about slants. You're talking about quick outs, which is what. Wyoming threw a lot of quick outs. These are throws that quarterbacks warm up with every day. <laughs> uh, and they're relatively easy, easier throws, high percentage throws. If Texas doesn't put Sawyer Robertson in third and long more to, than four times, that could be a problem. All right? That means Baylor is winning first down, which is probably going to be the most important down defensively for Texas in this game versus Baylor. If they can win first down, and that's going to be key because in gap control is going to be big. They run a lot of zone. I mean, a ton of wide zone, inside zone. The key is with zone, you got to be gap sound. You, yes, you, you know, you can penetrate because sometimes they are actually encourage you to, right? Um, and they'll kind of use that momentum and that penetration against you because they'll just sweep you on by the action. Um, that's why you got to be gap sound against a team like Baylor. Otherwise, they'll break some big runs, and they got some explosive athletes in the backfield too. So, winning first down is key. You win first down, then you force them to second and long, third and long, and that's where they don't want Sawyer Robertson third and long. That that's when the Texas pass rush can really tee off. So, defensively, I do think that first down is going to be key. Offensively, I'm watching, and this is probably the top thing that I'm watching is what's the start for Sark? Right, Sark now. I think he feels confident that all of his efforts in the offseason to get this team to focus on responding to adversity, making good adjustments in the second half, in the fourth quarter, that, that's paying off. This team is a fourth-quarter team, um, and we want them to be a four-quarter team, but they're not very good in the first quarter anymore, which is what Longhorn fans have become accustomed to. So I want to see in this game what the opening script's going to look like for Sark now that that's become a point of criticism from Longhorn fans that the opening – and even he talked about it and addressed it in the – post-game press conference, that the opening script is not as uh, prolific and is not as explosive as it was in previous years. But the fourth quarter is the the best fourth quarter uh, response we've seen from this team, uh, or at least for any Sark team since he's been here at Texas, and they're cultivating a bit of the uh, the clutch gene. So here's what I think Sark should do and what I think he will do. And I'm I'm doing some deeper dives in the numbers about it, but I think against Baylor, he comes out in heavier personnel. And I, you know, I, I listen. Sark loves eleven, which is one back, one tight end. He's got that full complement of those great wide receivers: X Man, Ad Mitchell, and Jay Witt, right? And those guys are. It's really tough to match up with those wide receivers. 
But it's, it's interesting. I think the offense may do better starting out in heavier personnel in this matchup and maybe in some other matchups. Remember against Bama, they start out in 12 personnel. One back, two tight ends. They just go empty formation. <laughs> they present a power package and they pivot to pass principles. I think versus Baylor, you give them pretty much the option. If you go 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, and you can that means you can run the football. If Baylor wants to, and Baylor has a good defensive line, if they want to match up with your heavier personnel, with their rush, rush defense, then you can throw out of it. And you still have the advantage because your tight end is one of the best in the country, and your two complement, your two wide receivers are really good. Uh, even if you can design and manipulate a one-on-one matchup, which Sark also does really well. That's essentially what Texas did a lot of versus Alabama. They came out in twelve personnel, one back, two tight ends. They threw the ball up close to fifty percent of the time versus Bama out of twelve personnel. Usually he's close to thirty something percent there. I think against Baylor. If they come out in their sub packages and they want to still play the pass when you got your heavier person out there, that's great. You can just run the ball because you'll have the numbers advantage in the run game like you did versus Wyoming. You ran the ball a ton versus Wyoming late to really seal that game, and you did it with 12 personnel. I think Sark may have been revealing something there that maybe his 12 personnel group is what he trusts to be able to run the football consistently. And I would say E versus Baylor, that may be the package you see early. Now, I think Sark will get into the the habit of, you know, ending the game however he needs to, right? If he needs to break out 12 to do it or 11 to do it, he can do that. Um, but to start the game, I think he'll have to, it'll have to be based on the matchup week to week. And I think this matchup with Baylor, I would encourage Baylor to try to stop the run for Texas. If they don't, great. Shove it down their throat. Let them choke on it. But if they uh, – <laughs> right, but choke if, on it. Right? Yeah, but if they, if they want to stop the run, they go, man, they're coming out with heavier sets. Texas got the biggest O-line in the Big 12. We got to stop the run against Texas. And they match your heavy personnel, great. That means one-on-one matchups on the outside for X-Man or J.T. Sanders or an A.D. Mitchell, or whoever you put in there, Jay Witt. So that's that may be one of my ways, uh, E, to really juice the opening script. Start out heavy, but pivot to pass in the heavy personnel. Present them with their own, you know, pick your poison. Well, scenario. if you go back and watch, I mean, the Texas State game they lost, they gave up 42 points, and they're just and then the, the game that, that I would watch if you're watching film on Baylor is the Utah game. That's, that's as close as you're going to get to like athletes as far as you know, the Baylor Bears. They're just not very talented, Rod. I mean, they're just not. There's nobody that like with Texas. Whatever you think of the Longhorns and whether they play up or down to people, you see mm-hmm. guys that just jump off the screen that are really talented, yes, right? You they're do. just. Yep. Baylor doesn't have anybody really. You're like, you know, who who are these guys? I mean, they were they they tried to survive the Utah game until their quarterback Sawyer Robertson threw two fourth quarter interceptions that mm. were unforgivable. Yep. Um, and they're going to try to win this game if they're going to win it with their defense, right? They're going to try to do what Wyoming did, shorten the game, play great Dave Aranda defense, challenge Texas, force them. Because the one thing Quinn yours hasn't done this year is turn the ball over. He's not Tom for prom. He's and if, not and one of those guys. Right, and yeah. if Texas doesn't turn the ball over in this game, I don't think this game will be very close. And if they turn it over, we all of a sudden you could have a close game in Waco. I just – this Baylor team – Dave Aranda has not done a good job of, of bringing in talent just based on what I've seen through three no. games so far. Uh, no, I totally agree with you. Um, and one, but The one thing I will say about Dave Aranda, he's a defense of mine. Sure he is. We don't know if he's a great head coach, a good head coach anymore because uh, it just hasn't – it seems like he did more with Matt Rule's players and now that yes. he has been able to build it you know, his way uh, and construct this roster his way, it seems like the program's progressing. But – um, he he did expose Texas pass protection issues last year. 
Um, and he was able to do it with a, a really impressive pressure package. Um, and that's, you've heard me say it at, you know, at nauseum about the amoeba fronts and the simulated pressures. That's why Baylor had five sacks last season. So he exposed Texas and pretty much provided other teams with the blueprint uh, to how to pressure the uh, Texas quarterback. And in this game, I'm wondering if he's going to bring back a lot of those concepts, which also Texas has struggled with a little bit this season, struggled in the Rice game with some of those concepts. Even Wyoming uh, brought him out there. I, I think he's going to add to those pressure packages, and you'll see him early and often if Texas is in predictable passing situations. If they can stay out of that by going heavy early on and playing a little bit of bully ball, um, and if they, you know, like I said, if they want to match you and try to combat encounter your bully ball great that means i'll get favorable matchups in the passing game um so i i think that's the way to kind of manipulate it uh, if you're sark no question no. no question all right we'll come back when we do we'll do the uh, what the facts big facts from the sports landscape as we get you rolling on a wednesday there's rod's first trip behind the burn orange curtain we'll do it again a couple times this morning as we're getting you up over the hump and into a big time sports and football weekend we're coming back what the facts coming next Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Indeed, Ian Rod, Ty Henderson's here as well. We got an update coming up in our next hour on Ty's uh, challenge for the week. Of course, Ty is uh, committed to the bits, committed mm-hmm. to the challenges. Last God week, you failed man. miserably at the uh, wing challenge at Wings Up. Apparently, he wants to challenge a former NFL athlete to a punt, pass, and kick contest. We'll get the update on that coming up. I don't think that's going to go very well. May go the way of the wing cut, wing challenge. Mm, no, I think he's going. It's going to be better than the wing challenge. You think so? He's got to the wing challenge. He only had. <laughs> yeah, he only did four out of twenty-five. Four out of twenty-five. So. We're locked in for Thursday, though. Casey, right. Casey right. kind of laughed at me when I asked him. All right, we need <laughs> yeah. we, we need <laughs> details on that coming up. But Rod, give me some wow. what the facts. Give the people some what the facts. That's funny. Oh, you know, just the facts, you. my friend. Uh, all right, I got a fact for you about how good the Miami Dolphins have been through the first two weeks of the season. Um, they have the uh, most total yards of offense through the first two weeks of the season in Miami Dolphins history. To add to that, more than Marino. Yes, <laughs> Mac, Mac, yeah, McDaniel and Tua. They got the bet that they see the most yards uh, for a Dolphins offense through the first two games. He also uh, did it in 2022. <laughs> oh. So yeah, in 1985 and 1994, Shula Marino, of course. Um, those previously were the. Uh, Dolphins offenses with the most total yards in the first two games. So Mike McDaniel setting all types of franchise records. Meanwhile, meanwile, right over in the NFC, you realize that there are seven teams in the NFC that are two and zero. Seven, three in the NFC East: the Cowboys, Eagles, and Commanders. Three in the AFC NFC South: the Saints, Buccaneers, and Falcons, and then the Forty ers Wow. Um, this yeah. is the first time in NFL history that seven teams in a conference have started 2-0 and in the same season. First time it's ever happened. Then you got, what, m- multiple in two divisions. Yeah. Like the NFC South and, and the NFC East, right? Yeah, so, so seven. That's the most ever through wow. two weeks of the NFL season. It's early yet, but uh, we talked about the AFC being superior to the NFC. Maybe maybe not. We'll see. But uh, Cowboys certainly among that uh, that power group without a doubt. Uh, what, what the, the facts, facts, Rod? What do you got? What the facts? Um, all right, I got another fact here for you. My man Jade Barron, Jade, uh, Pro Football Focus graded him as the top safety uh, in terms of his grade, a ninety-one point six coverage grade in Week Three. They say he led all Power Five safeties. They got him as listed as a safety. I will say that Chip Brown put in a piece 
uh, this was a few months ago, that Gary Patterson basically said that Jade Barron's a safety. That they 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 kind of considered him a safety. He does play the Plays run that star, like that. right? Yeah, he plays a star position, which is a hybrid position. He's just he's basically a defensive back. So he's a coverage uh, slot corner slash kind of a safety in some ways too. So there you go, Jade Barron showing out highest coverage grade uh, of any safety in the country, even though he's technically a slot corner. But there you go, hey, Pro football focus. A uh, couple of baseball facts: the Houston, we have a problem. The Astros. Are now under 500 on the season at home. They're 38 mm. and 39 at Minute Maid Park, and they claim to want to win the World Series and be back-to-back champs. They are 38 and 39 at home. They've lost six of their last eight. They're now a half game up on the Mariners and, Ranger, and uh, Rangers in the AL West. They don't act like someone who wants to go win this division. Baltimore's come in and beaten them back-to-back nights. The Orioles have the best record in the American League. And let me give you this on Ronald Acuna Jr. Because I don't know that it matters. I think the Braves are going to win the World Series this year, Rod. They just seem like this There's is so their... much better than everybody else. And Ronald Acuna is having one of the great seasons in the history of baseball. I'm not, I'm not making that up. Do you realize with one, he had two more home runs last night, Ronald Acuna. The 25 year old, when he has his 40th home run, which he'll get here in the next 10 days, and he needs three more steals for a 40 70 season. He's going to hit 40 home runs. He's going to drive in over 100 runs, and he's going to steal 70 or more bases. And that's never happened before, I'm that's sure. That's never yeah. happened before. <laughs> and he's batting 340. Damn. Yeah, this, he's having one of the great seasons ever um, wow. in Major League Baseball. He's yeah. 25 years old. Think about that. A three, I mean, hmm, 40 wild. plus home runs, 70 plus steals, 100 plus RBIs, and he's going to bat close to 350. That's dumb. That that's is uh, that's that's freakish numbers, man. That's, that's some dumb. Will Chamberlain likes stuff. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm a baseball guy, and I'm looking at that going, really? I'm uh, looking at these numbers, and is that a misprint? This guy's got, I mean, he's Ricky Henderson meets Albert Pujols or something. I mean, he's got the speed hmm. of a Ricky Henderson, but he's got the the plate discipline and the average of an Albert Pujols, but he hits, I mean, he's just unbelievable. Yeah. What a player. Yeah, he's, uh, he's an alien. He's an alien. <laughs> because at least with pull holes, so you didn't have to worry about him stealing bags. This guy, you put him on base, so you can't walk him because he's going to steal the base to be on second or third. So wow. you got to throw, you got to pitch to him. Well, 40 home runs. Mm-hmm. Guy's unbelievable. All right, Rod, what the facts? What the facts? What the facts? Just the facts. Uh, one other fact the, uh, how about the Seattle Mariners? They're, they have 11 days to go in Major League Baseball, Rod? Give it to me. After this game with Oakland today, they either play the Astros or the Rangers the rest of the way. That's it. That's How many games are left? About 11 days. Uh, we, it's the 20th of September. It ends on the 31st. That's you, it. You nervous you yet? My, I'm very Ooh. nervous. You just hear me? The Astros stink at home. They don't pitch. Brian Presley's no good. He's tipping his pitches in the bullpen. Of course I'm nervous. I'm still feeling good. Well, you got Josh Young back, which is big. Mm-hmm. All right, we're back. One hour of five in the books, but that means plenty to do here on Ian Rodby. Hook him up.